Welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. My name is Cameron Hughes. I'm the Director of Connections here at First Pres. Today I am joined again by Kim Allen, our Director of Shine Children's Ministry. Hello. And uh, a new guest today for us, Donovan McCloskey, our Chief Storyteller at First Pres. He creates all of our video and podcasts and edits them and produces them. Donovan. Hey there. Welcome. I'm here. Glad to have you with us. Thanks. Today we're going to be talking about family um, and what it means particularly to live missionally within our family. So uh, just by means of getting started today, would love to ask you guys family traditions. What is your favorite family tradition? And maybe it's the same thing, but what is your oddest family tradition? I feel like Kim has probably a couple good ones. I do. So when our third child was about seven years old, Brett took him to breakfast at um, Chick-fil-A to ask him what he wanted for Christmas that year. And I'm, I sound like a terrible mother, but at that age, our kids were already doing their own laundry. So I didn't know um, kind of what his sock situation was, but evidently he only had two socks left (laughs) and they didn't match. And I didn't know this. And so when Brett says, what do you want for Christmas? David being our candy fanatic said, well, I'd like to have Skittles and could I just have some new socks? (laughs) So every year the Allen children from that point forward receive socks and Skittles as a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. Of course, in addition to other things, but socks and Skittles. Awesome. That's great. That's way better than mine. Um, <laughs> this isn't even, uh, we still don't do this. Um, but for some reason, every time I hear that question, I come up with this story. Um, it was New Year's and we were celebrating uh, New Year's Eve at my grandma's place. And my cousin was probably five at the time. Um, and it was like his first like New Year's where he was actually a part of the celebration. And um, we're like, yeah, like New Year's is great. Like they drop a ball at midnight, like we'll watch it on TV, then we'll do a toast. And we got like sparkling grape juice, like we'll do a toast together. And he's like, oh, that sounds great. That's like really fun. And then at midnight, like we're doing the toast or whatever. And he's like, hold up, like, where's the toast? Like I was <laughs> promised toast. And we're like, yeah, we're doing like the toast right now with, with the sparkling grape juice. He's like, no, I want like toast with butter. And we're like, okay. So we like did made toast at New Year's Eve. And now every, like New Year's Eve for that for a couple of years, we did a uh, toast. A uh, toast to toast. A toast with toast. Excellent. We toasted toast. Toast to toast with toast. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about earlier too, like I have hurt myself pretty badly on a slip and slide and my cousin broke her arm on like going on a tractor. So I feel like there's a tradition in there somewhere of like being hurt with like yard equipment, but I don't know. Can either <laughs> I, confirm or deny. I feel like it's, both those stories are about as Indiana as you can possibly that's get. That's pretty much so, it. That's yeah. the perfect snapshot of, of where I'm <laughs> Ch- from. Childhood in Indiana. <laughs> I can't speak a whole lot on that other than being from central Wisconsin and having many of the same experiences. So, I've never f- broken an arm on a tractor, but I've fallen off a couple of them. So mm. you know, it's just a normal part. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Better to fall and not break than to fall and break. All right. So, Kim, when we talk about this whole concept of missional living, family, vocation, neighborhood, last week we talked about uh, how to do that well in neighborhood. Um, we start to look at different passages throughout Scripture and start to try to define what each of those segments looks like. And today I would love if we could talk a little bit about Deuteronomy 6 and uh, the passage that's often referred to as the Shema through the Bible. So it's that hero Israel statement. Um, would you mind reading that for us and just giving us a little description of how that influences how we disciple our family? Sure. So 
one little parenthetical thought on that is that there are many places in the scripture that we could look to say, how do we do family discipleship? Mm -hmm. So this is only one. And because of that, when we look at any passage of scripture, we're going to kind of take the, my favorite gal, Jen Wilkin approach, where she kind of has this really simple acronym, CIA, comprehension, interpretation, and then application. Because especially as American Christians, we really want to jump to the application part and say, how does that change my life? How does that transform me? And there's nothing wrong with asking that question, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, we all want transformation. And God does too. God wants to transform us into the image of his son. But for us to sit in a passage comprehension, and then also look at the context and then the neighboring passages, maybe other passages of scripture that could speak into that. That's the interpretation part. So as we read this, there's going to be this immediate aha and moment, but then hang on because we're going to dig deeper into this. And as we do, we'll see, oh, this shows more than the apparent first glance. So let me read Deuteronomy chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So that part we've heard before is repeated in the New Testament. But then if you follow, keep going, here's where the family part comes in. And this is why we go to this section of the scripture when we're thinking about living missionally in our families. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so that section really helps us understand it's not just once a week that we talk about it. We really talk about it every day and all the time whenever God gives us an opportunity. And I love the symbolism of hands and foreheads. So we're thinking about what we do with our hands, how we think with our minds, and then the door frames of our homes to be actually washed in that that idea that we are always thinking about God talking about him and looking for opportunities to give our children instruction in the ways of the Lord. Even even Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 makes a little side statement on this when somebody comes to him and says, your mother and brothers are out here waiting on you. And he said, who are my mother and my brothers is the people who do the will of my father. And so Jesus alludes to this and, and, and we see the fullness of that in the New Testament where God begins to graft in male and female and free and slave and Jew and Greek, all of those become part of God's family. I love when we talk about the covenant family um, because it reminds us that there's overlap between these categories that we've been talking about. Yes. It's really that intersection of if the covenant family goes beyond just the people that I'm related to, that means my neighbors are included and it means my church is included and it means my vocation is included. So uh, it gives us an opportunity to start to identify people across those lines rather than just grouping it into these different segments of my life when we're talking about whole life discipleship and uh, about living missionally in all areas, we really mean all areas. Yes, yes. Bouncing off what Cameron's talking about, about that kind of blurring those lines between those categories. So the whole story of scripture is God building his family. And the New, the, the New Testament, definitely we see the fullness of that. But even if we look back in the Old Testament, 
the prophets are constantly talking about the alien, the stranger, the sojourner among you, the orphan, the widow. So it's not just people in a nuclear family. We want to be really clear about that. It's the people that God is calling to himself. And that includes nuclear families. And that that incorporates parents instructing their children. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we want to say the covenant family is God's family and that whomever he calls is a part of that family. That's great. Donovan, as someone who uh, isn't yet married, on your way to being married soon, but... Mm -hmm. October 12th. (laughs) Someone who's not married, who doesn't have kids yet, whose family's out of state... Um, can you speak a little bit about how you participate in this uh, concept of family discipleship or in the life of the church? Um, how do you view your family in Orlando? Yeah, so when I think about mission living in my family, I think really what Kim was saying, like for me, my family is those people that um, I share with in the mission that God has called me on. And I don't think I always thought that way. Um, I, I truly thought of my family as those that were closest to me. But that kind of changed when um, my fiance and I, Haley, uh, moved down here and we didn't have any immediate family close. And that's pretty much been the case for both of our lives for the past year or so. Um, we haven't been around our families. Um, we were on missions for a while and doing some other things. And we have great relationships with our family um, and we love them and we're, we're connected with them. But uh, we're in a season of life where we're just separated from them. Um, we're, n- we're not close to them. So for us moving down here, um, it was a huge priority for us to find that uh, new family down here, that new community. Um, because we, you were a sojourner and an alien from Indiana, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and like we, we had a standard of like what type of community we wanted because we had been around such healthy family oriented communities in the past. Um, and so we sought it out and we prayed for it. Um, and it was tough in the beginning. We didn't know anybody and we really felt like outsiders. Um, because there were already groups of people our age that were close and that had been close that had grown up together. And we felt like outsiders looking in. Um, but we continued to pray and, and continued to, to try to cultivate the opportunities that God put before us. Um, it, it took time and we eventually found a family, but the cool thing was, was when, my idea of family was expanded to that um, covenant family idea when I met uh, Bob Eck. And Bob is the best. He's such a sweet man. I'm president Um, of his fan club. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want to be in that as Mm -hmm. well. Um, (laughs) And he's so great. He's one of the nicest guys that I know and just extremely humble and joyous. And he's from a different generation, an older generation. Um, And we got connected because we were doing a story on him and his service that he does for the church. And I think that Bob and I would have connected purely based on our personality and the fact that he brings me donuts every Monday. (laughs) Like that is probably enough for us to be friends. But I think the cool thing is, is that I consider him my family now because of the mission that we share together. Um, And like you said, we're joined in this bigger, bigger family of God. And Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters because we're joined in doing the will of the father. And that's exactly how I feel connected to Bob because when I did the story on him, we went to the hospital and the hospice to visit and love on uh, people who were sick or just didn't have family close. And that to me is one of the things I love most is loving people when they're hurt or when they feel alone and just going and praying for them and just making them laugh and bringing joy. So that's what me and Bob connected over. But the crazy thing was, is that through that experience, I found out that Bob was discipling a young group of men. Um, and for 
And for me, I'm doing the same thing. I'm just discipling a young group of men, a generation behind me. And the group of men he's discipling are in their mid thirties and forties. And the ones that I'm discipling are in middle school, um, <laughs> but still a generation behind. And we bonded over that. And like, we talked about that a little bit, but the cool thing was that I meet with my boys every Wednesday um, at the same place. And like the first time that I went, Bob was there oh, with all of cool. his guys and we made eye contact and we knew exactly what we were doing um, at that moment with our group of guys. And so we were able to connect after that moment and talk. And every time I, I see him now, we talk about like, Oh, how are you guys doing? Like, what are so you talking cool. about? Like, what are some struggles? And so yes, me and Bob are connected because you know, we like each other, but I think we're connected at a deeper level because we are connected through that shared mission and doing the father's will. So cool. So when we're thinking about um, missional living in family, whether we are in a nuclear family or whether we are single, widowed, you know, some other stage of life where maybe we don't have a lot of people living in a house with us, thinking about two phrases, immediacy and proximity. So an immediacy is like, I have people that I come across pretty much every day in my normal everyday life. And that bleeds over into the whole neighborhood idea, Mm -hmm. right? Proximity, same thing. So if I'm a parent, the immediacy and proximity of family Mm -hmm. are going to be the little people running around my feet that I'm tripping over every day. Plus, other people that I see, but I know that those are the people living in my household. So we definitely want to go ahead and say living missionally in your family is really living with the people who live in your house and loving them well. And there's, you know, so many layers to that and so many challenges in that, right? Sometimes that's the hardest way to really, because they know who we are and we can't hide that. And um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for parents of, with children of all ages, because parenting never ends. Yeah, and if you hang Spoiler. around, if you hang around the pastor's class on a Sunday morning, you'll hear Jack Peebles speak a lot about season of life and how much that affects who and what we're called to do right. in in discipleship and in missional living. So, I think that idea of proximity for me with uh, a child who's 15 months old, it's a matter of every day I'm there and I have an opportunity to disciple and I'm called to disciple, regardless of if it really feels like it's the main portion of my life or not right now. It is just by nature. Exactly. Exactly. Love that. Kim, um, just to jump back to uh, the idea of the Shema again, it's this text from Deuteronomy uh, early in the journey out of Egypt for uh, the Israelites, but uh, to bring that to 2019, um, what what does it even look like contextually in 2019 to to always have the Word of God on our frontlets and bound on our hands and on the doorposts of our homes? Is that a, a literal thing that we're talking about, or what does it mean to disciple with that in mind? You know, I think uh, that's a great question. So, I think of back to immediacy and proximity. So our children are always with us. So that's that idea of when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk along the way, when you're in carpool line, when you're in the grocery store line, all of those ordinary moments become sacred. And God made it that way for a reason. So we don't have to wait until there's some special family devotional time that everybody's going to sit around the breakfast table and (laughs) with perfect manners. Exactly. Good luck with that. I don't know that the Allens ever had anything like that. But there is this, these teaching moments and these opportunities that we have to share with our family and with our children. Um, the, The given there is that parents are receiving 
and growing in their own faith because we can't give away what we don't have, right? So we are seeking opportunities as parents. We're seeking opportunities to grow, to be challenged, to be accountable to other people, to love other people well, and to receive that and to find other families who are trying to live the life that we're trying to live. Um, That's a given. Um, And then as we think about for our children, it is a walking along the way. Um, And I think we are um, missing tons of opportunities if we're just waiting for the perfect moment or if we're only waiting for Christmas Eve (laughs) to talk about Jesus. We're, we're talking about him every day and, um, there, there are those, and then there are the big celebrations like Christmas Mm. and birthdays and just the things that God gives us, the celebrations Mm. that he gives us that we also use in that same way. So we're not talking either or, we're talking both and. Mm. So that is one way that we're thinking about everyday, ordinary stuff, and then special things too. Yeah, I think there's an inherent messiness in family discipleship and in the day-to-day process of discipling that um, we need to give ourselves a little grace to not always do it perfectly every time too. I think there's so much pressure uh, as a parent, to be able to communicate the truth of what Scripture is and the gospel on a day-to-day basis in every moment, and there's times that we're we're just gonna miss on it too. Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, it's not an excuse not to do it. Uh, right. So there's this challenge to try to find those. Did you say sanctified moments in the mundane? Sacred. Sacred moments in the mundane. I think uh, that's something that I'm always challenging myself to be able to find those moments, even with a 15-month-old who understands about an eighth of what I'm saying, uh, just trying to communicate it to him over and over from a, a, from infancy. Um, it's been a hard process. Kim, I want to take just a minute to speak about the immediate application that comes to people's mind when we talk about family here at the church. And as the director of Shine Children's Ministry, you've been actively involved in trying to find some resources and some ways for us to disciple our family well, uh, give us an opportunity to share what Scripture says to our kids. So you mind just taking a couple of minutes to describe some of the things you've been working on, where we're headed with children's ministry, and the resources that are available to parents? Sure. So... The first thing I would say is I want to demystify the thought or idea that I am somehow an expert on this. (laughs) I am still learning and growing in this area. I am still having to come to my own children who are now adults and repent and ask their forgiveness for ways that I've wronged them and learning that as I grow. So we don't have it all figured out and we're certainly not experts. However, I do have a lot of years and a lot of white hair to (laughs) demonstrate my experience in things I'm learning and growing in and things that that God has taught me. Um, And so one of the things as a children's director that I'm passionate about is trying to continually move closer to a space where I tell people I'm working myself out of a job where people aren't going to say we have a children's ministry that somehow has the corner on the market on children's discipleship. We actually say, no, actually, parents are the best disciplers. They know their children. They love their children like nobody else does. And so they are God's chosen ambassadors to represent him to their children. Um, And because of that, we want to put materials in their hands and make it accessible. We are choosing materials that are online or free or both. And we are saying, here's what we're doing on Sundays 
And as Paige says, the other 167 hours of the week, you continue this conversation. Um, and so we have materials selected that we hope will foster that and will continue to work toward that end. That's great. Kim and Donovan, as we've talked a lot about our core values through the last 16 months, but most recently since January, um, we speak a lot about generational faithfulness. Uh, if it's a, a value of our church to have this ongoing generation by generation discipleship structure and include everybody, um, are, do you have any suggestions on how we could engage in intergenerational discipleship if it's not on our radar? So Donovan, you've talked a little bit about what that looks like looks like outside of your physical family, but uh, Kim, you might have some ideas within family, but if it's not on our radar, how can we do it well? Well, I think for me, I mean, I think a lot of people that are my age that grew up in the church um, would probably acknowledge that I didn't realize general faithfulness as a value until I got kind of older, you know, like, and for me, even just thinking about how many people have prayed for me mm. over the course of my life, just that simple question. And there, I, there'd be too many, like between sports and between small groups and between, you know, if you're getting baptized at church, like all the different instances where like you could think about people praying for you. And then all those times where you didn't even know they're praying for you. And it's just humbling to think about being in that family and that covenant family and having all of these people like supporting you and loving you and trying to point you towards God. Um, not something that I realized until later in my life. Um, I think most people would, would agree with that. But I mean, for me too, like being here and not having a family, uh, it's really important for me to connect with different generations, especially at the church. Um, I don't know, just to, to create that full picture of a family, um, having Bob as like a grandfather figure um, and having other people. Uh, Georgine Parsons is a really sweet lady that I had the opportunity to meet. And every time I see her, she gives me a hug, asks me how I'm doing. And, and we have this kind of connection now. So um, it's hard to explain why it's important to me. But to me, it feels like I'm so, so much more fulfilled when I have all those different people and different generations that I can that I can call to and that I can run to and also kind of walk along in this journey with. Yeah, I would say God's giving me a similar journey in the sense that having grown up in a church, I had relationships with people who were older than me that I trusted, that I knew, that I knew they loved Jesus, and they just were always there, you know. They were giving to the church when I was in second grade, and I didn't—I brought a dime for my offering, you know, but they're the ones who made it happen with generosity. Um, that's one example. They were praying for us. They were teaching us and sowing seeds, and God— is faithful to that and he will bear fruit as we grow and become. And that's his design, right? And so the little people that we have with us now, we have to look at them in that same way where we are sowing into them. There may not be this immediate flowering of knowledge. There's not going to be more than likely. But over time, we're in it for the long haul. That's parenting. That's that's church congregation. That's everything. There's a long view that we have to keep in mind as we think about the daily sacrifices, the daily sowing of seed, the daily expressions of those sacred ordinary moments that they do add up and that God uses them for flourishing. That's a beautiful picture. I have a really cool story um, that really put all that in context and really maybe appreciate the people who had gone before me that kind of laid the foundation um, for my generation. 
And it happened here at the church. There was one day where I was with another employee. We were in the um, Heritage Committee's archive room and we're looking for old photos and old um, handwritten journals and stuff just for a project we were working on. And as I'm flipping through one of these old binders, um, I saw McCloskey, my last name. Wow. And it was uh, from the 1900s and it was a women's auxiliary meeting. Mm -hmm. And everyone wrote their name down that was there from the meeting. So there was this, it was said, Mrs. J.H. McCloskey was at this meeting. She was a part of First Prez in 1919. And there was even a picture too of her and I got to see her. And I was like, for me, who I've never been to Orlando before, uh, as far as we knew, there was no family members that ever lived down here. Um, and that was kind of a moment where I really think God was like tapping on my shoulder. Like, you have no clue the amount of people that I've sent to mm-hmm. lay the foundation, not only for you, but it's for all the people at this church. Mm-hmm it really put things into perspective for me. I think one of the things that really does make First Presbyterian unique is the ability to look around and whether it's looking at 140 plus years of heritage or just looking around on a Sunday and seeing the different generations that we have in our building. Um, I think we have this new opportunity and new challenge together uh, as we approach the future and uh, as we've invited our kids back into worship with us uh, to be able to just look around and see the opportunities we have for intergenerational discipleship. And that might be someone from the next generation, either up or down, or uh, to be able to look around and see someone who's a couple generations different than me and be able to engage with them in a new way. Um, I think for me, it's a challenge to look both up and down on the spectrum and be able to engage in those relationships in a way that uh, helps build and edify the church. And really, that's what we're looking for when we talk about missional living is to build this kingdom for God's glory. So I appreciate having you guys here today. Thanks, Donovan. Thanks, Kim, for coming in. Yeah, it's fun. We look forward to getting to engage on this more in the near future. Uh, We'll talk a lot about family over the next couple of months. And I appreciate your insight from two very different angles. So we look forward to speaking with you guys again soon. And next week, we will be talking about vocation with Case. Thorpe and Croslin Stewart. So please tune back in, subscribe, join, uh, use all of your channels and let us know how we can answer your questions as well. If at any time you would like to reach out to us here at the podcast and ask questions, please feel free. Uh, My email is chughes at fpco.org and shoot any questions you have our way about vocabulary, about uh, any of the concepts we're talking about or things you want us to talk about. We're glad to uh, start to answer some of those questions over following weeks. So, um, all right. So go out and know your love. We'll see you next time.